Welcome to Carnegie Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Watts. Mm, 7th of August. Kickstart. Yeah. This is this is gonna be the shortest one ever. This is almost like one of those quick kicks quick kicks that we used to do back when back when we did those things. Sure. Almost four years ago. That's a long time. But isn't it almost over? Or is is the World Cup not almost over? I mean the, the US women's team has been eliminated finally. Yeah. For real this time. The with the women's national team was eliminated this morning because this is Sunday morning. A game, yeah. Australian time was two AM. And uh, it went regulation and then extras and it, went, it came down to a penalty kick against Sweden uh, and they lost, which sucks is that they had the advantage in the, in the penalty kick round and well, that's why they play the yeah, games. Yeah, that's why they play the games. Um, well, it's funny is this is, of course, the ironic part about it. Uh, they played three other games in the tournament and lackluster would be an understatement. Honestly, they were lucky to even get to the next round, get out of group. Yeah. So. I felt like, I felt like, I felt like, cause I don't really follow it, but I felt like every morning I'd wake up and there was some, some bad news. Like they had <laughs> lost a game where I'm like, okay, well they're eliminated. Cause I kept asking you, so they eliminated. like, no, no, they didn't get a little bit. Cause I don't yeah. really know. Cause I don't, here's the thing. I could tell you more about um, the branding and commercial spots um, of the women, the U S women's uh, team. than I could about actually what's going on in the world cup. Yeah. It was there's uh, commercials, man. Holy cow. Yeah. Cause there's so many people watching it five in the morning. <laughs> Dude, there's one where like, you know, a mom is explaining soccer to her kids with Doritos and they turn into the play. I was like, what the fuck? Am I, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and the chip turns into like a, you know, one of the women. And I was like, what's going on? Yeah. I thought I was hallucinating because it was like four in the morning. The women, the women's team, they're a, um, this team anyway, this women's national team, they're, they're on the young side. Although ones that were still hanging sure. around from the 2019 win, and the 2015 win, there's only, uh, two left. And, uh, one of them I think is retiring this after this tournament. So she's officially retired or unofficially, officially retired. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's, it's the thing is Sweden is a powerhouse of a team. So we, well, the majority of us anyway, thought they were just going to get stomped. And then Swedes came out, I don't want to say flat footed, but the U.S. women played their best game. They had played the entire, entire tournament. And uh, well, like, where was that the first three games? <laughs> because sure. honestly, they wouldn't have gone to the next round anyway if they didn't get Vietnam slotted in their group, which was all fairness to the Vietnam team, they weren't terrible, but they got kicked around by the other three teams in the group. But that's the only game that the U.S. won in the groups was that, and then they had two draws. So, And then essentially they had a draw last night because it came down to a penalty kick because uh, that's right. the only reason they didn't end in a draw is because you only do draws in groups after the groups. Then it's, you got to have sudden death, and it does, and it happens. So hmm. that's all right. There's uh <laughs> your pain will be over soon. Yeah, well, not till the nineteenth, but oh sorry, the twenty oh, God, is that really? Yes, dude. It's, three weeks. It's a it's long. It's long. Oh. So two No weeks. wonder I can't watch it. That's too <laughs> much. I mean that ugh. that's why I don't watch baseball anymore. Two weeks from today is the uh the championship game will be over by the time uh we would have been recording. Record. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, the good thing is I'll be off that day. So I worked till, I worked till 3 a.m. and then I'll home be home and sleeping and we can record pretty much any time. Except for when I'm in bed and sleeping because that doesn't help yeah, anybody. Yeah, that's probably not good. It no. doesn't work. No. Hey, so, but anyway, tomorrow, or in this case, <laughs> two days from now, the wins, uh, sorry, Tuesday the 8th, we have some uh, some goodies coming. So we, we love MVP. They keep putting out really fun VHS cheeky kind of uh, titles on Blu-ray. But they're releasing Swamp Thing, Wes Craven's Swamp Thing on 4K on on Tuesday, along with a new... Is that the original Swamp Thing? The yeah. one... Uh, yeah, the Mike, Craven one, yeah. With Louis Jordan. Is that who it is? I think so. <laughs> Isn't that who's in it? I mean, you're not talking about the, the one with Heather Lockwood, are you? No, no, that's the second one. No. No, no, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're, yeah this one, Adrian Barbo and, and Ray Wise. Right. Yeah, yeah, this is the one. And yeah. then the, the bad guy from Octopussy. <laughs> Him too. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance to say Octopussy? Any chance I get to bring up Octopussy? Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that Swamp Thing since the early days of Home Box Office. I had never watched it again because I'm afraid that it's awful. Um, like it's it's like the legend of Bogey Creek, which I tried to watch not long ago after not having seen it since I was 12. And man, I was so like sad. I was like, wow. Yeah. I remember this being awesome and it's on awesome. But I'm afraid Swamp Thing is the same way. But I'm just going to leave it as one of those movies that I just, in my head, I'd never rewatch. So I, I love it. Yeah. No, Swamp Thing is, is, uh, as the last time I saw it, I saw it as an adult. So I can, I can attest it's still, still pretty good. Um, but it's a tough one to, it might be a tough one to digest. I can't recall this part. I can't recall for 100%. Is the cheeky aspect of it still firmly in place? I just thought it looked good, and um, as we discussed on, on other things, you know, Adrian Barbeau is Adrian Barbeau. Um, yeah. but, but you only get Ray Wise in the beginning because yeah, you get Louis Jordan, yeah, and he's a big motherfucker. <laughs> but no, it's it's a fun movie. I, again, I, I'm just surprised that they went with a a 4K release on this because it seemed like such a I don't know, unusual thing for MVD to be putting out. but uh, Well, it's crazy, man, because I, I would say this, this movie, I always kind of think of it like, if, you know, I, I probably watched this back-to-back -back with the original Creep Show. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, as long as it's up to Creep Show, uh, I don't know, man. I, I see it's on Tubi. Maybe I'll give it a spin and see what, yeah. uh, you know, what's what. I love that poster, man. Yeah, it's always, it's, it's great. <laughs> and it, the movie has already gotten reviewed, so they had a pre-release on there to, to put out for reviews. And uh, the 4K got four out of five stars on video quality, and the 2K slash Blu-ray got four and a half. So that's pretty fucking solid for uh, for that movie to be uh, MVD, man. They're, they make some good stuff. They're not bad. No, they do some fun stuff for sure. But also, there's some, some 50th anniversaries. Right? Jeez. Yeah. There's Enter, wow. the, Enter the Dragon 4K is coming out. Yes. I, I almost ruined that last week when we were talking because I, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I can't uh, spoil. No spoiler. Yeah. I mean, not that it's a spoiler. That, no. Uh, that guy <laughs> that tweets out everything in the universe. Yeah. Even if it's still not can't real. block for some reason. <laughs> he finds ways of getting around the blockage. Hey, man, do we have to call them tweets? Do we have to call them Xenos now? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I refuse to call them whatever. I, it's like, I, like I said, I still say call it X, but I will say Twitter afterwards. 
because it's so silly. Um, the X is silent at the beginning of Twitter. <laughs> it's like no, xenophobe. Just waiting, just waiting for Xerox to sue them for the use of their logo because they, they sure. use, use their Xerox X to uh, no shame whatsoever. So well, just a matter of time before that changes. Uh, no other. It's not a 40th anniversary, but the 50th anniversary. We're gonna jump to Friday. Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars is getting a 50th anniversary release from our friends who don't hardly release anything at Rhino. Rhino is putting this out. Interesting. You can get it in two flavors. You can get it in the Blu-ray and double CD set, or you can just get it <laughs> on vinyl with no accompanying video disc for some reason. I thought, you know, Ziggy Stardust... <laughs> That's the perfect vinyl thing as far as, gonna, if, as far as a re-release goes, it's vinyl. But to not have a Blu-ray with it is kind of weird to me. It should have something with it so you can watch the fucker. <laughs> but, sure. But I guess because, I guess the idea is like, well, if it's video or if it's, a, if it's vinyl, you're not going to want the video anyway. I'm like, what? don't be silly. Anyway, uh, it's sure. Not, it's not poorly priced. The, the, the Blu-ray and... Double CD set is retails for sixty bucks, fifty nine ninety nine. But I think it's on sale at uh, at Best Buys, at the Best Buys and the Amazons for forty nine. Yeah, forty nine ninety nine. Not bad. Um, Crazy. I, I will not buy this on vinyl because this is one of those ones. I'm like, look, I <laughs> I've got the OG on vinyl somewhere that it was gifted to me uh, somebody in the family when I was five or six or whenever it was. When I started paying attention to it, because I, so the weirdest thing for me though, when I was four and five and hearing about this movie was just the name, but not seeing any kind of pictures or anything about it. I'm like, Ziggy started as, is that like the comic Ziggy? Cause I didn't know. Sure. <laughs> Fucking Can four. you imagine <laughs> him with a little sprinkled stardust on him? doesn't make sense, but yes, that's an excellent visual. Isn't it? Sure. There's got to be some t-shirts. If or- you took Ziggy and Marie Osmond and crossed them into one person. That's what I would have thought when I was a kid. Because <laughs> when I think of Marie Osmond, I just think of glitter. I don't know why. She's tiny. Yeah. Paper roses, man. Yeah. Her, her and I hear Donnie's, a, Donnie's tiny. Not everybody in that family's tiny. They're not, they're not big people. No. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen any of them. No. Uh, in person. Well. Just on the Donnie Marie show. That's the thing. So remember, not too many years ago, but maybe 15, 16 years ago. Soldier of Love. <laughs> no, Soldier that was 30 years dude, ago. man. Over 30 I, years that, ago. That, that Donnie, that album's great. That solo record is great. It has a nice little rebound, but Soldier of Love's a great tune. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really kind of, uh, it's funny because when it came out, it kind of sounded like uh I want to say it almost sounded, there was a couple songs in it that sounded like George Michael ballads. Well, yeah, that's kind of what Donnie was clearly going for. No, no, totally. Yeah. But I mean, he totally nailed it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the first time I heard the one song, I thought it was George Michael. He he did a, a Dweezil Zappa's second record. I've talked about it before. On like Guitar Wants to Kill Your Mama? That's the first album. The second album. Oh, right, right. The second one was. What is the second one? No, that was the third one. First, first, My Guitar Wants to Kill Your Mama was the first one. Second one was, uh, shit, what's the second one? 
for some reason, I only, I have this crazy like attachment to the first one. And I can't remember the, no, no, I remember the covers. I remember, but I can't remember the names of the albums after that one. Having a bad day was the cover. was the first one. Right. That's when I came out in 86. My guitar wants to kill your mama came out in 88. The album I'm taking, talking about is the third release and that's confessions. And that one is chock full of guest stars and a whole bunch of shows. You know, Benton Court produced it from guitar player from Extreme. Extreme, right. And uh, dude, it's fucking, it's a great record. It, I mean, very much this part of the times and everything, but on there, he does a cover of Staying Alive. And I used to run into Dweezil all the time at at the Cineplex Odeon at Universal. That's for those Bung of you. Gone. <laughs> for, yeah, and it's now City Walkish, whatever the fuck is, whoever's Harry running Potter that place. World. Yeah. Oh, it's still there. It's just now it's whatever the hell it's called, and it's part of City Walk. Oh, right. But I used to run into him, and he asked him how the record was going, Confessions, while he was recording. and didn't know the name of it at the time. And he goes, oh, you're excited because I'm going to have Ozzy Osbourne singing a cover for me on Staying Alive. So it was supposed to be Ozzy. So by the time the album came out, there was some issue with rights and uh, the allowance of having Ozzy singing on there with the record company on the bullshit, you know, the usual shenanigans. And uh, so it was released with Donny Osmond instead. What was funny about the Donny Osmond one, it's a one take. He Very first take, boom. Donny nails the song from the moment he went in there. It was his quote-unquote warm-up pass, and they kept it. So I thought that was kind of sure. cool. Sure, well, dude, he's a pro. Come on, like you know, he'd probably been singing that song since 1977, right? And it's <laughs> and it's right in the window of time when Soldier of Love came out. So just so that was out a short while before Confessions got released. But eventually, that uh, Ozzy Osbourne version made its way to the public, and I can't remember if it was a deluxe release or if it was just some B side to a single. But it's not bad. But I'm very affectionate towards the for the Donny Osmond version because I just. Yeah, look, dude, I ain't mad at Donny Osmond for anything. No. I mean, I always, you know, when I was a kid, I thought they were, you know, I watched Donny Marie all the time. Yeah. You know, every every seven year old, eight year old loved Donny and Marie. Yep. How can you not? That, you can't. The one I learned a little bit more about about uh, about the Mormon lifestyle from that show. Not from directly from the show, but my mom, I said to my mom, because this is show was so big and around that time, nine to five came out soon. And then Dolly Parton's theme song was a huge hit. Well, that was part of the show. They always did. They would do a medley, right? A little bit country, right. a little bit rock and roll. So they would do medleys each of. I'm a little bit country. Yeah. Gifts. Yeah. Wonderful. They, she does a nine to five, but she says. They changed the lyrics, right? That, yeah. Instead of changing the because lyrics, yeah, because instead of my cup, uh, a cup of amb, yeah, a cup of ambition gets changed because of the coffee, because of the stimulant, right? Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forget That's exactly what crazy. she says, but it's I'll, I'll dig it out because last time I I brought it up with somebody, the song was available on YouTube, so I'll try to track it down. Yeah. Oh, that's funny, man. I mean, that makes, I only know uh, when you, now that you say that, because my buddy Brett um, was Mormon and uh, he didn't drink coffee. And then one day I flashed, I'm like, dude, what are you drinking? He's like, pounding coffee, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess he's like, yeah, now, you know, I grew up <laughs> like, okay, uh, sure, man. <laughs> 
But it just says that when it's on, on YouTube, it just says Marie Osmond nine to five. But the good thing is that it's, it is the clip. It's Donnie me. Hamery. Yeah. She's sweet from the show. This is when she had that really short hair. She even, this is like the second or third season of the show. Remember she had her normal big foofy 70s, 70s hair, but she doesn't in this. She's got, and that clip, she's got short, she's got the dirty Hamill. Sheena Easton-esque hair. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember. Yeah. How long was that guy? That show was on for a bit. I feel like it did creep into the 80s, maybe. Yeah, it, 80 or 81. Yeah, it had to have. Because 9 to 5 is 1980, right? Yeah, yeah. So it definitely crept into the 80s. Um, hey, man, you know what uh, ends today? That Kino sale. If anybody's uh, out there looking for... <laughs> Fuck you forever, that thing. <laughs> Isn't the Kino sale always on? I swear to God, dude. I keep getting these emails last day, and it was like, it was like a week ago. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. No, it's not. It's just, it's, I think they just, you know, it's like they're just clearing out the warehouse, man, because they got tons and tons of stuff. But you know, what's crazy is that hustle. Um, if you go to Amazon, it's like 29, but dude, it's $11 on the keynote site. <laughs> like, like I, I looked up a bunch of stuff just randomly. Like I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then uh, on Amazon, everything is like twenty ninety nine. And if you go to the keynotes, it's nine bucks. Like, so Amazon is like, uh, not only are they boning you like every which way, but loose, um, if you work for them, but also if you're buying stuff, you know, you know, I've, if you want something from Kino and you want to get it next day, just because just realize you're paying an extra 10 bucks for that. <laughs> so, you know, pass. pass. <laughs> Donnie Marie, 1975 to 1975 to 79. Wow. So 79. So I guess, yeah. Yeah, who knows? I, did, well, I guess did nine to five come out? I thought it came out in nineteen eighty, but whatever. The it last it, the last air date was January twenty sixth, nineteen seventy nine. Wow! Mm. Wow! Mm. Maybe maybe the song was already a thing before the movie, maybe. or maybe that was a, on some. Maybe it was a special. Who knows? You know, I feel like there was probably some specials that showed up somewhere, like the Paul Lynn Halloween special. There it had to have been something like that because yeah, because. Nine to five was definitely 1980. Yeah, it was 1980, so. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that in a movie theater with a double feature with Carbon Copy. <laughs> Carbon Copy. Oh, shit. So uh, quickly, uh, what I was going to say, dude, I've been, I fell down this rabbit hole on uh, Prime. Um, I've been burning through Mannix, which I fucking loved as a kid. And I think I love it more as an adult. <laughs> Because I watch it now and I'm like, God, dude, this is pretty crazy for 1967. Yeah. TV shows now aren't like, the, you know, like Mannix is a badass, dude, but not in like a stupid superhero kind of way. Like, but uh, yeah, man, there's some crazy shit goes on with Mannix, you know, as far as like violence on television. And it's not like it's overly violent, but I mean, if you cut 15 years to 1982 and you're watching the A-Team where, you know... They're machine gunning and no one dies <laughs> somehow. Miraculously, no one ever dies on the A-team. Um, <laughs> people died on Mannix, let me just say. That's not okay, all that dying. <laughs> it's not? No. It's a detective show, man. Come on. I, I know. Well, yeah. So, uh, Osmond Family Christmas Special, 1980. Oh, there you go. Or that makes sense. Oz and Family Show, which came out in 1979. Did it run until 1980? Did Is not. that the one with all of them, with all the brothers? Yeah. Ooh, man. They had houses for a, houses for a, a Tanya Tucker, Casey and the Sunshine Band. That's that's the that's the twofer. Yeah. 
Hey, you're, oh, there's a, here's a perfect setup for you. Loretta, this episode eight of the Osmond Family Show, Loretta Lynn, Chuck Berry, Chubby Checker, and Wolfman Jack. What? That's even better. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to find going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like those shows, I feel like there was a point when the Donnie Marie show was running on something like during the pandemic, it kept coming up in my, uh, Oh, uh, you know, maybe um, feed somewhere, maybe uh shit did, did shout, put that out. So maybe, it was maybe, on shout maybe TV. it was on shout TV. Could have been, Yeah, you know what? I think it was because the Glenn Campbell show was on, it was like on the, you know, like on Samsung TV or whatever, or maybe on Pluto. This, uh, yeah, I think I watched it because it was, uh, it would come on that, like the Barbara Mandrell show, <laughs> Glenn Campbell, um, all those sort of variety shows. I feel like everybody had one at one point. If you were mildly successful, they would just put you on TV. Yeah. Why well, wouldn't, come on, you got to do it, right? Like, but the Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell sisters. I just, I remember like. I love to, to that me, show. But, me too. But like now I think about it, it seems so random because they've been out of like my, you know, tr- where I'm, you know out of my world of, um, you know, in, until someone brings it up or I randomly will come across a YouTube video of like something from the Barbara Mandrell <laughs> show. You know, it's just so crazy. Um, who, which, who was the one sister, the middle one? Louise. The yeah. doctor, the brunette. Dude, I used to trip out when Katy Perry hit the scene. I'm like, it's like. Totally, right? R- dude, it's weird. It's it's uncanny. I thought it, it was her, I thought it was her daughter, right? honestly. I thought so too. It was, it's to- I totally tripped out on that. And which one was, Erlene was the youngest? Erlene is the youngest right, one, right. yeah. How could you not crush on one or both of the younger sisters? I mean, even Barbara oh, yeah. was, yeah. I knew Barbara was, they're all, they were all really beautiful women. Yeah, yeah. And super talented, man. Totally. I mean, geez, dude. They can now, play everything. Now, Erlene, was she doing to play banjo? Yeah, and mandolin. Yeah, yeah. It, you mm-hmm. trip out on that because you don't, because she kind of, she plays like a, she plays she a little the ditzy. Goop, like the ditzy one. Yeah. yeah. And you, so when she gets out there and plays <laughs> and she, her serious face comes on and she can shred, man. She can play. Yeah. No, yeah. no. They were all super, super like, you know, it wasn't like they were just three faces that, you know, and they could sing. I mean, they could literally play all the instruments. All of them. I was only two seasons. Fuck, I would have thought it was more than that. Seems like it. Good right? Lord. I feel like I was a good swath of my childhood. Yeah. Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell sisters. It ran from November 18th, 1980 to June 26, 1982. Wow. Well, that seems about right. Because that's probably like they had guests like Ronnie Millsap and, um, you know, all those sort of weirdly kind of country politan crossover artists. Right, that were sort of crossing into the top, but Alabama, right? <laughs> All those bands that would, if you listen to American Top Forty, you know, from 1980 to like, eh, right around the early '83, you know, there were Juice Newton, <laughs> all, all these country crossover uh, acts in the Top Forty, right? Before the uh, second British invasion happened, too, uh, and MTV took over. This, th- I mean, here's your reasoning why because they didn't do a third season and beyond. Because uh, Barbara left the show because she was still a fucking massive recording artist at oh, that yeah. point. So she left because of exhaustion. I would imagine, dude. Yeah, she I would, remember. Yeah, she was taking cortisone shots on her voice. Wow. Yeah. Here's a number that's going to throw a lot of people off if you're not really familiar with hearing the kind of rating numbers you used to get on network television before, well, even before like premium cable came along or cable at all for that matter. 
they when the show was canceled uh, because of Barbara's uh, bowing out, forty million viewers every week. Wow, forty. That's a lot. That's a lot of people watching. That's a lot of people. Jeez, dude. Yeah. This was a, this is such a bizarre one. Like the, this thing was in such a, the show was in such a demand that they could air it usually on Saturday nights. That's usually when it aired. Um, but then at different times during its run, it got put on Tuesday nights, 10 PM to 11 PM. Wow. What a shit shift to be putting your show in. How didn't, can you, how can you generate any kind of like audience at that point? Dude, what didn't, wasn't there just, I, I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but I'm like, now I'm thinking, was it, was there a crossover? Were, were there puppets on that show? Like, yeah, was, was like her band, a puppet band or some weird shit like that? Cause it was produced by Sid and Marty Croft. Oh, see, okay. There you so go. So that was the cross up. They were doing a little bit of that stuff here and there. And it wasn't just specific to, there were some puppets and everything, but you would see crossover for, for, you know, for Croft, other, other shows like Sigmund and the Sea Monster. You would see those things come up, even though those shows were already off the air, you would still see them that pop up once in a while. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah. It was so I gotta tell you, man, that's what's so funny about the dynamic they put the three of them while while they're on screen together. I remember seeing an interview on Entertainment Tonight, and it threw me off because I got used to seeing who they were on the variety show and and the whole shtick of them always bickering and stuff like that, and then watching them together, I'm like, going, oh, all right, well they they don't hate each other because that's that was such a weird thing about the show is like it was they get this weird thing where they'd have this this banter back and forth. And then they, then they quietly, then they like smile and turn the camera and start singing their song again. <laughs> right. It was such a weird thing. But later on in life, when you know that Sid and Marty Croft produced the show for them, things made uh, a lot more sense. Yeah. That's so weird, man. Yeah. Crazy. NBC, man, they put some stuff out. They weren't afraid. They were not, no. Uh, between that and Battle of the Network Stars over on ABC, um, you know, there was some great television. There's uh, some quality <laughs> network television back in the day. It's right up there with, <laughs> when you sent me that that ABC fucking- <laughs> Yeah, right? How I, great was I'd that? I'd seen that. I had worked <laughs> these dumb hours. That kind of shit got recommended to me, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And as soon as I started laughing, I'm like, I think I just shot you back an exclamation point because I'm like- yeah, I think I want to watch that three or four times. That that's back when TV stars were contractually obligated to make Dude, some of the hokiest in like how like look at just look at the way they all look at it. They, they look it looks like um like a skit from Monty Python like yeah. when when everybody's singing um the meaning of life <laughs> when they're when they're all singing about you know and giving the kids away <laughs> like yes. they're all just that they all look like they're like out of a uh, Charles Dickens like musical. It's like what the fuck is going on here? Everyone looks so unhappy. If you, if seriously if you if you you feel like the, you know they're holding everybody's pets you know hostage like you finish this until we get this in the can you're you know Buffy's not coming home. She's you're not she's getting your little dog back. <laughs> Oh shit. That's a that's a rough thing. I'll I'll put that in the show notes too. I feel okay, so here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna track down. If I can track down 
a whole bunch of things in my mind right now, and openings of shows and bits here and there. Of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to track them down tonight. There's got to be some of these oh. on there. Dude, there's got to be a million of them. I always uh, go back to the uh, the original like, Solid Gold, dude, is another thing from uh, my childhood, which hosted either by Andy Gibb and Dionne Warwick or Dionne Warwick by herself or Andy Gibb and Marilyn McCoo, whoever. It's all it's all fantastic, dude. <laughs> To watch these people, to watch people yeah. sing, lip sync with oh, the yeah. solid gold dancers yes. behind them, it's yes. one of the joys of life. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, dude, solid gold was a weird thing. I mean, it's. I mean, it basically took pot, top of the pops and just kind of knocked it, but it it ran for a really long time. Yeah, it, didn't Adrian Zmed take over at some point, <laughs> or was that Dance Fever? Oh, uh, Dance Fever. No, yeah. that was Danny Terrio. Well, no, I, I think thought, Adrian, I think Adrian's did Adrian. Well, he guessed it on it when he was like doing something else, but I think when he came back, he hosted it, didn't he? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I, you know, it's all a blur, a big, wonderful musical blur. <laughs> it's like watching the Warriors, the musical. Oh my God. I can't believe that's happening. Ooh, I know. Why? Uh, it badass if it was Warrior the musical and it was with Tom Hardy and uh, Joel Edgerton and Nick Nolte. Hey, look, we've already done a gangs a gangs musical. It's already happened. We don't need to do yeah, another it's one. called Gangs in New York. Oh no, I we just, just get, forgot to put the songs in. I just thought West Side Story, but okay, it's all right. Never seen West Side Story. What? I mean, I've seen the original, but not the uh, Spielberg one. Oh, why would you? Actually, I've seen the play. I don't know if I've ever actually have I seen the movie. I don't even know if I've seen the movie. I just, I know I've seen the play because I was in it. Like in some, I was a crew for it, like running a spot up for it. So I've seen it. And I know all the songs, but I don't know if I've ever seen the movies. Either one of them, actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Dance Fever host for three years, 85 to 87. Adrian's Dance man. Fever. Yeah. Dance Fever was one of those shows that just was like... I don't really, you know, it's funny. I do remember it, but like, I have a hard time remembering if I ever watched it. Like, like if I've ever seen a whole, I, I, I don't remember what was the premise that were a couple, did people dance? Was it like a competition show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. They would have guests. Yeah, I don't know that I, they had three guest judges, right? Rick D took over for Andy Gibb. That's right. On Solid Gold. Talking about, yeah, I won't get into that if I can read these. <laughs> Gotcha. So, okay, dance. Yes, a dance fever. Dance fever. Dance competition show. All right, then. <laughs> there we are. Oh, there you go. There's your kickstart for you. <laughs> yeah, there's rambling fucking. Listen to Yammer on about. Morning show, Jammer Hammer show. About late 70s and to mid 80s network silliness. Actually, actually, technically, Dance Fever wasn't this syndicated. So it was solid gold. I think, yeah, well, Solid Gold definitely was because it came on, like, where I grew up, came on KMPH, Channel 26. Yeah. Which was, you know, independent. It was long before cable. Yeah. I remember, uh, we didn't, I mean, it was into, because that's, I watched everything on KMPH. Like, I watched all those syndicated, tele, probably Mannix and, uh, God, Cannon, <laughs> Barnaby Jones, all those shows oh. came on. Like, at, you know, 10 in the morning. It was a detective hour for, you know, detective more like they'd start at 9 a.m. with the, you know, 70s detective shows. That's too early to be watching detective shows. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, you would think. Well, I think they, think they went right from cartoons 
or from the news to cartoons to de- detectives all day long. <laughs> just can't do it, man. William Conrad got to be so big towards the oh, end. Dude, he, dude, I don't even know. I think he was bigger. I feel like he was bigger in canon. That's what like, I mean in canon. Like he gets to the, like the last season, he was, yeah. It was just watching him run. Like I was like, oh, he's not gonna, he's not chasing anybody. Come on, man. I mean, dude, it just made my feet hurt. Those pointy. He's wearing those tiny little pointed shoes. He's running to crafty. <laughs> there you go. Just put the table over there. William, just run toward the table. We'll put the camera behind it. Oh, shit. All right, well, there's your Kickstarter for you. Awesome. There you go. All right, then. If you want to follow the show, it's on it's like Karate Pod on X. Sorry. Sure. Letterboxd and Instagram. Follow Corey on Instagram. It's Culper97. And on Letterboxd is Corey underscore Culp. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on Instagram. Or you can follow me at KMPH Channel 26 in... Hanford, Fresno. <laughs> this is fucking shitty. Somebody wrote in this storyline for for Cannon. The Weekly Adventures of Frank Cannon, an overweight, balding ex-cop with a deep voice <laughs> and expensive taste and culinary pleasures, oh, <laughs> becomes a high-priced private investigator. Since Cannon's girth didn't allow for many fist fights and gun battles, although there were many, the series substituted car chases and high production values in their place. Good lord, dude. What a great fucking read. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty spot on, no? Since Cannon's girth. His girth. <laughs> Poor guy. Good lord, dude. I mean, at least they went to the next show, Jake and the Fat Man. Um, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't pull any punches. You knew what you were going to get. Yeah. 